Well, Happy New Year. I am very excited to share just a little bit um, of reflection of some things that I've been been thinking of over the past year, things that I've been sitting with and praying about, and um, a little piece of scripture that I've actually been reading throughout the year and um, mulling over a little bit and trying to dig into. Um, it's been an interesting year. I think we all can agree on that um, between different changes and regulations and politics. Um, and then you you add in your own personal family things. Um, I, kn- I know for, for our family, it's been a little bit interesting. There's been some unexpected surgeries. Um, our kids are still at a young, busy age. Uh, my, my back and chronic pain has been getting uh, worse over the last few months instead of better as we hoped. Um, I started school. Things at church, of course, are shifting and changing a little bit and a lot of it. Um, as, as different dynamics and staff and, and goals are changing and then we have the, the ongoing guess of, of what regulations are going to look like. Um, and sometimes seasons are just hard. They're challenging or we don't quite know and they're full of mixed emotions. There are things that you might um, be really enjoying but they may come at a cost and so you're also mourning the loss of something else. Um, emotions are tricky. <laughs> Feelings are tricky. Um, but I think I think there's something really beautiful when we're able to um, sit with people and be honest and authentic about what we're going through. But there's another level too when we are able to be honestly coming to God and sitting with Him and being really real and raw and authentic. Um, there's there's the old expression, fake it till you make it. Uh, and I think that it does have a place. There are situations where, sure, maybe that is what we need to be doing. Um, but something that over the past year has been kind of in the back of my head has been shifting that and changing that line ever so slightly to make it till you make it. Um, and, and for me, just kind of thinking that I want to press into the moment where I'm at. I want to be enjoying the season, or at least the very least learning from the season, um, asking God what he's doing, because I know that he's doing something um, even when I'm not necessarily seeing it. And so instead of just trying to fake it through, to choose to make it, to, to press in, to, to be real with God, um, and to, to live authentically. And that needs to start in my prayer life too. Life is hard. <laughs> the world's going to be mean. Things happen. Um, but I, I don't need to deal with what I'm feeling or what I'm going through before I can come before the Lord, before I can come to God and sit with him. Um, I can actually come in the midst of it. I can come when I don't even know what I'm feeling yet or ha- or what emotion to name. I, I can still come and just be with him. And that way I can I can sort through and navigate those seasons. And usually I'm actually able to sh- go through that a lot faster um, and efficiently when I'm doing it with God than when I'm doing it on my own. Um, like I said, there's this passage that I have been reading through over the, the past year. And it is uh, 1 Kings 19 uh, verses 9 to 15. And at, at this point, it's about Elijah. Um, He's running for his life at this point. Uh, Jezebel wanted to kill him after he exposed the lies of a false god, and and then he displayed Yahweh's glory and power. Um, so he goes from Jezreel to Beersheba, and 
he's feeling discouraged, maybe even maybe even depressed. Uh, so he, he heads off, he's running for his life, and then he goes even a little bit further, goes to a cave where he's even more secluded, and he prays. Um, we see a lot of examples of when Elijah is praying in the Bible and how powerful it is and what happens when he prays. Um, but in, in this case, he's actually praying, and he's, he's asking to die. He's frustrated. He, he probably feels the, the work that he was just doing didn't pan out the way he hoped for. Um, it didn't kickstart this, this lasting revival. Um, but in this place, we see that God, God meets him where he's at. And he actually comes, he meets his physical needs. So Elijah comes and he, he gets some rest. And then there's food and water that's provided for him. Um, and this happens before God is ministering to his spiritual needs. Um, so you get some food. And then in verse 9, uh, we see that God gives, gives space and this invitation for Elijah to vent about his frustrations um, and to just kind of share where he's at. So there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? as if God didn't already know what Elijah was going through or what he was feeling. Um, And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Um, He's feeling like he's the only one. Now, this, this isn't true. He's not the only one left that is worshiping God, but... It certainly would have felt like it. Like it, I think it, it really reflects where, like, how he was feeling. That he was really discouraged. That he was feeling alone. He was feeling isolated. Uh, but God reveals Himself and meets him where he's at with this personal encounter and experience. He said, "Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind." And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. Elijah was likely expecting God to be in this this big presentation. He thought the wind, and no, he wasn't in there. He thought the earthquake, no. He probably thought when the fire came, God would be in there. No. (laughs) He ends up being this low whisper a gentle blowing, a still small voice, a gentle whisper, a sound of silence. God is more than capable to have these radical, uh, dramatic displays of power. We, um, Elijah would have seen on Mount Carmel that God had done just this. There was this mighty display and while it had worked for, in some regards, it didn't radically change the nation as maybe was expected. God doesn't just move. Um, through judgment and power and preaching. Not that these things aren't used, um, but it's that they're not the only ways that God is moving, not the only ways that God is doing change. There's this powerful transformation that I, th- I think happens when we hear that still, small voice, um, when God is speaking directly to the human heart. I think Elijah is an, his, his everyday demeanor and his actions they had such a great impact and they spurred on these 7,000. He led them. He encouraged integrity and a desire to follow God, to give God the glory in the big and in the small. So after God 
reveals himself. Um, he asks again, well, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. God asks again what Elijah is doing. Elijah responds with the exact same thing as he previously answered. But then this time God God responds and saying, go, return on your way. Elijah was given this time to think and to vent and to be honest, maybe even to wallow a little bit. Um, but then he was reminded to stop looking inward, stop looking at his own circumstances, and really to, <laughs> I think, to, to get on with what the Lord wanted him to be doing. Um, Elijah came to God upset and just, distressed, um, worried, and God gives him time to sit in that, but then he gives him direction. He gives him some work to do, and Elijah is able to go and turn and go in in a completely different um, demeanor, have a completely different feeling than when he came to the cave. Um, Spurgeon talks about this, um, that it's showing that Elijah had this... His quiet ministry over the years really bore more fruit than this spectacular ministry that we see at Mount Carmel. Um, Spurgeon says, Yet all the while that vile idolatry was spreading in Israel, the worship of true God was being retained by 7,000 faithful souls, though Elijah did not know that there was even one beside himself. How were they one to Jehovah? Certainly not by Elijah's impressive demonstration on top of Calvary. Pardon me, on top of Carmel, for they were loyal to the Lord before that. The still small voice had been doing for Israel what Elijah could not do. God is at work even in ways that we don't see or don't understand. In those seasons that we feel like we're trudging along, um, he's continually up to something, and he's up to something good, and he is faithful. I think when we're feeling discouraged, when we're, we're, not, we're not seeing that he's there or with us, um, Maybe, maybe we even feel, you know, God, you're, you're not following through with what you've promised. Where, where is this? I thought, I thought I could trust you. I think in those seasons, we actually need to reevaluate and recognize that we're the ones not comprehending um, his ways, not understanding what he's doing. And we, we need to see that, that his ways and his ideas and his love for us is far greater than anything we can even think of. So when we're going through these impossible seasons, we don't need to to dodge around or pussyfoot or numb how we're feeling before we can come to God. We don't need to figure it out to come to God. We can, we can come to him where we're at, lay it all on the table, be open and honest and authentic. And in doing so, as we talk to him about it, we can also ask him for understanding and we can ask him for a deeper joy in it, in the midst of it. And then we can walk in obedience in the call that he gives us. Real feelings, not just labeling good or bad, but just pressing into where we're at and giving them to God, um, I think gives this opportunity for, for really beautiful growth that we maybe wouldn't have had otherwise, that we're not going to have if we've never come against anything challenging. Our emotions are real and they need to be felt, um, but I think when we, when we actually give space for that, um, I believe that the Holy Spirit is able to move unhindered. 
when we're just being authentic and trusting and trying to find what God is up to. And when we're asking those questions, we see great things come out of it. And when we come to God um, honestly with how we're feeling, we may just find that he is in fact able to hear our frustrations. And, and in the midst of that, we also get to see that he chooses to use us still. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that no matter what we are going through, you are there. And while you can use great um, dramatic displays of your power and we know that you are powerful, you also come to us in a still small voice. Father, may we give opportunity to listen to this. May we be obedient in your call. May we seek out time that we can hear that still small voice. Lord, give us, give us the wisdom to come to you as we are, to be authentic and to seek you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, amen. <music>